0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Getting Into Information Security. I am your host, Eamon Elswa. So I want to step out of character for a second, just talk about why I started this podcast series. On a constant basis, I was getting asked, you know, how do I get into the field and, you know, what do I need to do? Uh, The thing is, everybody's way into the field is different. And so by learning all the different ways uh, that people have gotten into the field, I'm hoping, That you will relate with at least one or more of my guests so that's the idea that we're trying to do here right because there's so many different ways to get into the field and not such a not necessarily a a linear way as uh some other fields so uh, i hope you benefit from this you know just let me know thanks today's guest is matt toth
1: on my way out to blackout this year i watched hackers on the airplane and It was freaking me out because I'm like all of the attacks that they're doing, they're performing, they're talking about are real world attacks that we're dealing with today still, denial of service attacks, IOT attacks, right? That's a huge thing right now, the Internet of Things.
0: Matt is a senior security engineer at Splunk with over 20 years of experience in IT and a focus on cybersecurity. Working with the U.S. Department of Defense, he has led teams in cyber war simulations and has advised senior leadership on new attack vectors and threat actors. With a passion for security, Matt is deeply engaged with the community to educate and prepare the next generation of cyber warrior. We get at some deep and philosophical topics.
1: It doesn't hurt to get them. If you have the capacity, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be spending a crap load of money out of pocket, maybe then you can, you know, wait on it. Um, a lot of companies that will say, oh, you're interested in this, you've already studied up on it. Yeah, we'll pay for the test. Go for it. Right. But I, I don't think they hurt. And I think that's, it, it's hard for me when I see people saying, oh, well, don't go get these things. Because normally somebody who's been around the industry a long time, they don't see the value in it anymore because they've already established themselves. But from a, a straight up heyday getting hired, if you have the capacity, especially if a company's paying for it, knock it out of the park.
0: As well as some not so serious, but informative nonetheless. And kind of funny.
1: Their AI was a room full of analysts in the back of their shop, just going through and doing things.
0: He also has a blog at hacktheplanet.org. Matt is one of my oldest InfoSec friends and an all-around good guy. We covered what it means to be a sales engineer and how he got hired in the InfoSec field. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It's always good to get together with your friends. I agree. I agree. Yeah, thanks
0: for making the time. I think it's uh, nighttime for both of us, so it should be interesting. And we don't have to worry about any uh, distractions, hopefully, right now. So you are a a senior sales engineer at Splunk. Maybe for my audience, maybe you could give them a little insight as to what the life of a sales engineer is.
1: Absolutely. Started at Splunk just about five months ago. I've been doing security sales engineer work for the last maybe 11 years now. Been doing IT for over 20. Started off as a little network uh, support engineer, which meant I was thin enough and uh, light enough to pull cables (laughs) through the ceiling but moved up and was working in security. And then I talk a lot and I was at a startup. and They're like, hey, can you help the sales guys? So I popped over there to start helping them out as a sales engineer. And I didn't know really what that meant um, at the time. What I found out is basically it's, um, you're still an engineer. You still have to be highly technical because you are the trusted voice for your company. Uh, when you go out and meet with customers, they look at the sales guy and they say, okay, I know he's here to close the deal, right? That's his job. The engineer is here to make sure that this fits my environment. They're kind of my advisor from the company side, right? They're going to help me make the right decision. And sometimes you do have to work with your sales team to say this is not the right place for this, because the worst thing you can do is sell something that doesn't work, right? So your job is to understand the customer's environment, understand your solution, and then make sure that it's an actual fit. I've been pretty lucky. Uh, I think partially because I've made decisions, but I've worked at organizations that you can fit the product in fairly easily into the customer's environment. There's a big need typically at the places I've worked. So I think it's success there. But again, it's that you're kind of the, I hate to say trusted advisor because that's a word that gets overused, but it really is the, I'm here, the customer trusts me to be here. And I'm going to make sure that when they're done, they're happy with the situation so that they never come back and say, Hey, dude, you screwed me over.
0: Okay. I, th- I think the, uh, sales engineer position is often overlooked from a sales cycle and from just all angles. So you did mention that it is highly technical and I'd like to maybe help illustrate for the audience, like how technical you do have to become, um, or you do have to be for this role, right? There is a misconception and, and feel free to correct me that, you know, sales engineers are not really technical. So, I mean, there's nothing worse than buying a product that doesn't fit for your environment, or you know, buying the wrong license or whatever it is. So maybe you could go into the technicalities of like how technical do you really have to be? I think you mentioned you're you even have to set up a POC this week. Is that right?
1: Sales engineers actually typically have to be the jack of all trades. You have to understand networking. You have to understand endpoints, and not just Windows. You have to understand Linux. You have to understand server environments. You have to understand how email works. You have to understand what new attacks are coming out from the security perspective, right? You always have to be updating your skill set. You have to know what's coming down the pipe for your customer, right? You can't just go in and say, well, I know my product and that's enough. You really have to have a, a really solid base knowledge. So when you go in and you're working with a customer and they say, well, hey, we're, we're running Palo Alto Firewalls uh, with uh, the Wildfire uh, malware sandbox, right? And we're running Tanium. And what we want to do is we want to see what that looks like in your product. Uh, working for Splunk, again, we are a big data tool. Uh, we gather all of the different uh, logs, uh, network data, every, anything with a one or zero, we put that together and then we help visualize it and correlate it. So, for example, something comes through, like, hey, this is malware. We see the visualization in our tool, we flag it, but we want to work with Tanium. We're going to push that to Tanium and say, hey, now you go out and look, across the entire environment and see if this hash is anywhere else in this uh, network so you have to be able to integrate products you need to know i think it's really really helpful if you know any scripting any programming at all you know some python or for those of us who've been around a while Perl. it's kind of died off a bit anything like that because you're going to have to work to be able to integrate it and you're going to have to be able to have that kind of uh architectural mindset right you're gonna have to be able to look and go oh This is how you built it. This is how we have to fit because everybody's environment's different. Even when you think, okay, well, one bank's going to look like another bank or one federal customer will look like another federal customer. They actually can be really, really unique. And so from a technical perspective, you have to have that solid base knowledge. And I think you have to have the passion to keep diving in, keep learning more, doing a lot of self-education. I know a lot of people in our industry like to use the word autodidact, right? I'm a self-taught person, but I think that you really kind of have to be, if you're not driven for it, you're going to fall behind very quickly because it doesn't matter if you know your product. I mean, you have to know that you have to know it in and out, but you have to know at least to a a healthy level, all the other products that are on the market in your space, at least, right? And then how those fit together. Working for Splunk, right? We work with everybody. Everybody can plug into Splunk, right? And so I have to understand firewalls, I have to understand network, uh, other networking gear, I have to understand endpoints, like I mentioned, servers, what looks normal. Hey, why is this person who's never created an account before creating accounts? You have to kind of understand that and understand how to look for that, right?
0: Well, it's really key in uh, in a lot of security products in general is that the security products are really going in an integral part of, say, the network or the infrastructure, right? So right. Uh, you know, not only does a security engineer need to know, I mean, it it basically encompasses, you know, you're touching all these things and all these different network and groups and and different departments are hesitant or wondering, you know, if your product can do the job or if it...
1: Yeah, well, you have to make sure that it can actually perform in the real world, right? Because a company who shall not be named, um, I have not worked for them, was caught It's an endpoint solution. They got caught, During their demos, right, during their DOCs, handing people, they're like, oh, look at this. Here's some data to run through it. No other vendor can catch this except for us. Come to find out, it was something they had written a signature for, Um, even though they say they don't use signatures. This uh, organization does. And they had done that and they'd handed out this false file. Luckily, somebody like saw them, they're like, called them out on it. But it's like, it's really, Kind of sad how the industry can work that way and so you, you because of the way you have to integrate with everything else in the environment because you have to know those things you also have to know your competitors you have to know what they're going to do how they're going to behave and, and then be able to coach or teach them because that, i mean that's a huge huge piece is educating your customer um, one of the briefs i'm giving this week is a a threat intelligence brief here's all the bad things that are going on right so i had to go out and I have to build this brief off of all of this collected data correlate it together and say, hey, here's cryptojacking is on the rise, significantly on the rise. Yeah, it is. And then knowing historically, well, where did that cryptojacking come from? Right. Well, it came from ransomware. Ransomware is still around. Where did ransomware came from? It came from Scareware, right? Where you just get that little pop-up. You could hit the escape key. Most people don't know that they even have an escape key. You see that history, you know what's going on and you can move forward. But I have to be able to educate my customer on that. And I have to be able to do reading on that. I have to constantly keep myself up on that. To make sure that I can educate them. I mean, that's you're, you're kind of that teacher, trusted advisor, all of those things together.
0: What's a what's a typical week
1: for you like? I don't know if there's a typical week as a sales engineer, to be honest. Depending on on who your customer is, uh, you may travel a lot. I travel pretty regularly, so you're going to be doing your normal calls. You have to do a lot of sales calls because again, you hold quota. You have to close business. You have to help your sales guys close business. Okay. You'll have customers that have already bought reaching out saying, "Hey, I have a question," because you are. You, as much as you're not supposed to be the first line of support. Oftentimes there's like, hey, I'm seeing this. It's kind of weird. Have you ever seen this before? Uh, So kind of, again, responding to the customers, um, guiding them through it. uh, If it's more than just a, oh yeah, look here, you've got to solve, you know, guiding them through the support process, monitoring the tickets, then getting in front of the customer, talking to them about what they need, building out environments for them, building out, if you're building a POC, it's sometimes you're going to, have to take your hardware and sometimes they're like, "Oh, we have VMs, but it's here's what we're going to build. Here's what you want to see, right? Because we've talked, you, you work through them with them through that process. What are they? What do they really want to get out of the solution? Because you're there to solve a problem, right? Hey, I have this problem. Can you can you help me solve that? And oftentimes it's only partially technical, right? You're going to help them build processes into their normal day to day. You're going to help them build playbooks to say if you see X, here's how you respond to it, which may be outside of your solution. I think it's helping them tune that in, seeing how you can help them. If you could, you know, making sure you can or guiding them to a solution that could, but it's, it's all over the map, right? Um last, last week I was on the East coast this week. I'm in Texas week after I'll probably be somewhere else. Um, we're uh, running a workshop at a comp industry conference, uh, in Utah the last week of September, and then going to a, a big, uh, User conference that Splunk runs dot uh, every year. We're right to that, and so kind of that you're, you're always going right.
0: Yeah, yeah. You get
1: done with your day, and you're not really done with your day. Put the kids to bed, and you have dinner. Sit down, start reading. Okay, what what did I miss today while I was doing email and while I was installing software and installing Kali on their VMs because they're not uh, used to running it? So you can simulate attack uh, environments things of that nature.
0: Yeah. How, how do you how do you end up staying up
1: to date on things? Uh, I still use RSS and Twitter quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of RSS. Find a few different places that you can grab uh, information from and then just be diligent about keeping up on it. Twitter is also really beneficial. Again, in our industry, you have some great people that you can learn from. So yeah, seeing what they're talking about and where they're going. One of the, the things that we're seeing a lot of is people want to start doing threat hunting, where it's finding adversaries who've already penetrated their network, right? <laughs> They've already broken through our defenses now we need to find them quickly because i mean the average length of a, a breach i think i think we've got it down to like 180 days uh, i think is what the industry standard is now but for a while it was like over a year it was like 400 days i think at one point where the breach hadn't been detected so one of the things i've been doing is making sure i have different <laughs> groups that i'm monitoring you know different twitter handles different um organizations uh sites and just Trying to make sure I know everything I can about what the industry is saying about threat hunting because it's kind of you know it's kind of a buzzword, but it's I think it's a very useful way to detect those those, those breaches that your your standard security systems haven't found. Uh, It has a human element into it, so it's you know training people up. You just kind of have to keep diving in every day.
0: So one question I had about the sales uh, engagement is: Are you still engaged with the customer post sales, or does that? hand off to another team? Is it different at different companies? Like, Because I, I, I used to see pre-sales engineers and post-sales engineers. Now it's just sales engineers. So maybe walk us through what the engagement cycle is like.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think it has changed a bit because it, as a as pre-sales engineer, you're the face of the company to them, the technical face of the company to the customer. So previously, you know, you'd have your pre-sales engineers, you'd go in. Um, <laughs> the salesperson I worked with a long time ago, who you know, said, uh, technical sales is like dating dudes. And you, know, you go out, take them to dinner, make them like you, close the deal, but, and then you move on. And I, I was like, oh man, that's, that's very dark, but it's kind of kind of hilarious. But I think it was some of that, where you would, that the mentality was, okay, you've closed the deal, now you move to your next deal. You have to get you know, maintain quota, you have to do these things. And then the post-sales engineers would come in and do the installation, do a lot of the training, and things of that nature. But I think because you are the first person they've met, they're going to call you all the time. Hey, well, can you come do this? Can you come help with this? You're, you're the, the trusted person. So even if a post-sales person comes in and we still have, I think you still see that with professional services, right? You build that in where you're going to have people who know the product inside and out come in, do all of the installation for the customer, or do the training and things of that nature. But the pre-sales engineer still has to be engaged because you're who the customer is. Trust you're who they bought from, right? You're the one who sold it, and the sales guy can close the deal. But they trust you that this is going to work for them, and so I think you've seen that shift where it's definitely become a broader. You're not just a pre-sales engineer; you have to be able to do post-sales. You have to be able to do training. You have to be able to do those things. We use uh, professional services again, internal teams or or uh, contract teams, depending on who the customer is, what they want, and a lot of that goes into once you the customer is kind of sold on the product. Uh, working with them on how they like to get it delivered because it's not cookie cutter it'd be awesome if it was but it's not and so you have to go okay how do you want it installed? how many days do you need and right let's look at your environment how many systems are we going to be looking at all, all of those things kind of go into it yeah and so you, you, you're you kind of almost a, a project manager also right helping get it done because again if the if the customer is not happy you're going to hear about it. i mean they're going to go right to twitter they're going to go to all their buddies they are going to and every future sale is going to be much, much more difficult.
0: Yeah, you're responsible for making it work, so your face is on it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Would you Would you say that? Uh, what kind of personality does it need? Does it take to be a sales engineer? Would, is it introverted, extroverted? Is, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of. Uh, and then maybe a follow up question is: What kind of person, you know, would a sales engineer like transitioning into a sales engineer? How, how does one become one, for example?
1: Yeah, I. I th- you can get introverted. People can do it. You just have to understand that you're going to be interfacing with people,
0: right? Would you say it's safe? Like it'd probably be a safer job for an introvert where, or like an introvert that is okay meeting people or like because you're kind of on the wings of the account manager or the right uh, or the, the salesperson. So in a way, you know, you don't have to, you're just kind of riding along. What did you say?
1: Yes and no. So I think, I think it depends on your account rep because I've worked with account reps who are like, you are here just to have me confirm things off of you. I will let you know when you need to speak, <laughs> like you're not running this. Um, and then I've been with others who are like, hey, I'm not going to make it to that meeting. Can you do the entire thing by yourself? Oh, wow. And um, you're like, yeah, I, I'm absolutely going to do that. <laughs> right? Um, and so it, it's really comes down to your account reps personality. Okay. Sales reps, I know some people have, had bad experiences with them but I've I've had great sales uh, reps throughout my career I mean I've had a handful that were difficult to work with but you figure out okay what type of person are they what are they trying to get out of this and then you blend your personality to them you have to be a little bit of a chameleon in that way I'm kind of an extroverted introvert I enjoy people uh, large crowds can make me a little bit anxious but at the end of the day I like to retreat into my uh, hotel room or office just to recharge the batteries a bit I think from a personality perspective, I've met people who are uh, pretty hardcore introverts who've been successful at it because they've been able to find a salesperson who matches them well.
0: That's really good to know.
1: Yeah, I've worked with quite a few reps, but uh, there's a handful that I've worked for for extended periods of time because we blended really, really well. Their abilities and my ability were able to just kind of make it a very successful uh, teaming. You have to understand that you're responsible for your own success you can't hide because you do have a quota, right? You can't just sit back and be like, ah, uh, well, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll, I'll close a few tickets, I'll do a little bit of this and everything will be great, right?
0: So it's a team effort on the quotas between you and the account manager, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Basically,
0: he's driving, but you're kind of co-pilot.
1: Yep. Navigator. Absolutely. It's great though, because if you have a good sales team, if you're working for a, an organization with a good, good solution, you can really push your pay up quite a bit. I think it helps uh, if you're hungry, you have to want closed deals, right? You can't, you have to be passionate about technology. If you really don't like the technology you're working in, you're probably not going to sell it very well. If you don't want to close the deal, it'll probably the customer will probably read that like, well, he doesn't even really want to be here, right? So I think that if you like making a lot of money, if you're okay being in front of people and you love technology and learning all the time, it's it's a great field. i I've had opportunities to move out of it. And I just I love this because again I get to meet people, I get to solve problems, I get to touch a bunch of different technology. It's not just my my own companies, right? It's I get to do all these different things when when you close the deal, like again, being a little bit competitive, when you get that win, oh it's a rush, right? Oh, I don't think it's necessarily for everybody, but I, I love it. I think that if you take it, it's if you enjoy enjoy getting out there, if you enjoy being technical, if you enjoy competing and and not necessarily competing you don't have to be you know oh oh, oh," yeah but it's just uh
0: and a lot of times you have the support especially from a technical perspective on the back end of some of the you know you have access to the developers you have access to some of the senior architects that have actually made the product so it's not just you out there by yourself you know you have this team behind you
1: right absolutely and it, it honestly is pretty cool because a lot of times if they're uh good developers if they're they're good project manager, product managers, they understand that their paycheck depends on you closing that deal also, right? So a lot of times you can get a lot of access that you would not necessarily have had, except they understand I need to help this guy because this deal turns the lights on at my house. It's a lot of fun. I've made a lot of good friends on the development side. I worked at Symantec for a while and their threat intelligence team there is incredible. And being able to sit down with these guys, the analysts and learn from them, it's a great experience, and I, I wouldn't have been able to get that if I wasn't in the role that I was.
0: So, what are some of your thoughts on the, on the security industry today? As you see, it, you've you've been around for a while.
1: I think we're honestly moving forward. I think we've done a lot of work to fix some of the big issues from trying to bring in uh, more women. So, Slump had a Women in Technology conference uh, just a few weeks ago uh, that we sponsored out in the DC area. You see that in at Black Hat and DEFCON, right? So at DEF CON, there was a, a Women, Wine, and Wisdom. It was three Ws, assuming that's what it was, mm-hmm. that IO Active put on, you know, and we're seeing that grow. So we're seeing a lot of diversity coming in, which is really, really helpful because our adversaries have that. And so we need to be able to step up to the plate as well. I think we are learning quite a bit. I think we still rely a little bit too much on buzzwords. <laughs> you know, at Black Hat and DEF CON, you know, machine learning, AI, were everywhere. Try to chat with them, okay, well, what, type of machine learning are you doing, right? There was an organization that they were talking about their, oh, we do all this AI. And we come to find out their AI was a room full of analysts in the back of their shop just going through and doing things, right? You're like, that's that's not AI. But it helps the market. And it's kind of sad, but we still struggle with that. But I think we're moving forward. I think we get called people get called out a lot more quickly when they do things like that.
0: Have you noticed on LinkedIn, the the chatter from CISOs uh, against sales reps or, you know, just oh, yeah. <laughs> the resentment, it, it's like coming up all over. And so, I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think sometimes uh, sales guys will hear a word,
1: and they're like, oh, I love that word. And then, you know, that's, that's the threat hunting. Wow, that sounds awesome. Right. APT. Ooh, advanced. Yeah, we stop APTs. We stop the advanced stuff. Artificial intelligence, right? I mean, we've all been hot on that since Terminator came out, right? Yeah. You know, we're like, Sky that's going to get us. I think that good salespeople understand when not to use the the buzzword bingo, right? They they understand not to use those. You still get a lot of folks who, who will come in and do that, but it's, I think sometimes CISOs also get a little, if they've gotten burnt, it really burns them a, a little bit on the industry in, in general, right? Also because CISOs have, Besides salespeople, they're probably one of the higher turnover jobs, right? If something goes bad, it doesn't matter if I was trying to stop it or not, or had budget to stop it, my head's the one that's going to roll, right? And so there's probably a little bit of the, hey, you burned me, and it could cost me my job, so I'm going to be very unhappy at the industry at large.
0: Resentment, basically. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And well, knowing that that salesperson also got a pretty, you know, could have got a big payday off it, you know, it's... Uh, one of the things I've learned is you don't show up in a super nice car to a sales deal. Silly little thing, but it's a little bit of uh, industry there, a little bit of psychology. If you show up in a Porsche, people are going to go, and I, that's totally as a sign up, I don't own a Porsche. I'm a sales engineer because <laughs> I have a Suburban. <laughs> <laughs> you um, but, uh, you know, I've seen sales guys show up in a Porsche and the customer's like, I'm not going to pay that. You obviously made too much money as it is, right? So the psychology of show up in, the, the Honda Pilot, or you know, so, so don't show up in a super nice car because again, it's going to make them resent you a bit. They're going to go, Well, this guy's getting paid a lot of money, he's asking me to hand him all this money.
0: It's funny, I think there was some sort of quote unquote wisdom somewhere that someone has mentioned for salespeople. It's like, Oh, you got to drive a nice car so they think you're successful. And it's funny how you're saying that it's kind of basically the opposite, uh, you know from a client's perspective, right? I don't
1: show up in like a 1982 Honda Civic with like three wheels and a, a cardboard, <laughs> cardboard for your, you know, fourth, but...
0: Fred Flintstone, like, you know, going on the right, floor.
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think we all had those cars when we were young. Yeah, um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Understand that when you, perception is huge. When you show up, you need to look prof- professional. You need to represent your company well, but you also need to understand that if you're flashing diamond rings, and you're. Flashing, I mean, I think that you see that with sports, right? People resent some of these guys making this money, not because I don't have that, they have it. I'm going to resent it a little bit. So just be be smart about it. I mean, you can drive a a, a nice enough car.
0: Yeah, I, I think you said it best. You know, just be smart about it. And and I think these tips could apply to anyone, really, in in the professional field, come appropriate for your audience, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when you when you go to Defcon, right, and you show up in a suit, people are going to be like, "What the heck? Who's this dude?" Right? You meet with a CEO, you show up in a suit. You don't come in flip flops and uh, a Hawaiian shirt, no matter how much you want to. And honestly, as a sales engineer, something you have to work with your sales team on is understand how they want you to represent it. Splunk is a, a very technical company, so one of the things that you'll see Splunk guys a lot. Oftentimes, will just it's not, you know, button down and blazer. And it's, you got the Splunk polo. When you're running workshops, a lot of times they'll show up in the t shirts, you know, the looking for trouble, finding your faults, just like mom.
0: I love the shirts, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. We, I love them.
0: I was running one the other way. It says, I see dead servers. Oh, yeah. So
1: <laughs> well, it's, they're, they're great, but it, and that's part of that company's culture. And when I was at Semantic, it's that is not Semantic's culture. Their culture was very much a, you're going to show up, and you're putting up in your button up and blazer because that's how you're representing them. When you're meeting with your audience, understand who they are, understand what they expect. Give it a little bit of thought, right? You don't have to, to spend hours on it, but just don't, don't be like, oh, I just threw this on. It was laying next to my bed. What happened? Yep. I didn't close the deal. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I had a big stain or whatever, you know, just, you know, wear a deodorant. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as an engineer, if you're going from engineer to sales engineer, anyway, I'm not going to dig into that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We've all met those engineers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there's been plenty of jokes where you know, you know, at the security conference when people aren't wearing deodorant. So
1: <laughs> that's well, CON, They have the three to one rule, right? Yeah, uh, three hours of sleep, two meals, one shower every day,
0: <laughs> and uh, you have to remind people about that. Yeah.
1: Exactly, the fact they have to make that rule is uh <laughs> it's an issue. Yeah, there you go.
0: So tell me, what's, what's the first computer you ever had?
1: Commodore 64, I think, would be the first. Uh, it was, uh, we got it from one of my cousins. The one that I think that I actually probably did the most on, though, uh, was an old Mac that uh, my dad was able to bring home from work. And I, I was able to work. I mean, this is, you know, on the way back, I was able to work on that.
0: Do some basic on it? Yeah.
1: It's a little bit, little bit of uh, programming, most, mostly admittedly, Going to, what, what is the least amount of effort I have to put in to get this game to work? Okay, got it working. Okay, now I have to go find this. Okay. I think my, my passion for computers, um, I was going to be an artist when I was younger. I loved comic books, still collect. I actually knew, knew some folks in that industry, and I got a scholarship to an art college. And I had a mentor, and I think this is really important for all young people. Find mentors that you can trust that actually have yourself and your, your best interest in mind who can help guide you and and listen to them. I had just started in IT. I had been working at a telecom as an operator. I was uh, 16, 17, hung out with the IT guys. I'm like, hey. And so I moved over and they're like, hey, you want to work with us? Of course I want to work with you guys. So I'd worked, moved over to there. And um, my mentor, we were chatting. And I was going to go to this college uh, for art. He's like, you're a good artist, but you understand what you're going to make, right? He's like, you're already making at your job what you will make in art right plus you're gonna have all the student debt and all of these things yeah. and i looked at it and i was like okay uh chatted with, with uh some other folks i'm like you know what i love computers um i started finding some crazy stuff Um uh, like oh this is awesome this is really fun you, you start diving in i'm like and this is a a, a career i can already start
0: what, what age was that was that mentor
1: 17. so I, I i was pretty lucky i was able to start school at four so i was able to graduate by 17. I. Not because I was intelligent or anything like that, uh, but just where the birthday fell in Virginia, they didn't, uh, the cutoff was um, January 1st. So I was able to, even as a December baby, get in there. I started working, I kind of always worked. I think this is probably something I'm trying to work out of is um, I kind of identify as my profession, which isn't uh, necessarily healthy. What do you mean? I work probably more than I should. My work-life balance is uh, dictated more about my, my passion. Like Splunk is really cool about, hey, you know your time is your time. But I love this. This is what I do. When I started in IT, as soon as I graduated high school and I was already doing IT, I jumped in. I was doing you know, 100-hour weeks, just learning everything I could. I had a, I had an apartment with a blanket and a pillow. I didn't even have a mattress. I had my computer and that was about it. Uh, I think I had a fold-out table that the computer sat on. Maybe. Maybe I sat on it. I, I don't remember at this point. But like, I just basically spent all my time in in the office and then I would go home, shower, clean up, sleep for a bit, go back in. Part of it was uh, I worked at a, a telco, so I had an incredibly fast uh internet at work, right? This is still in dial-up days. So like you get to work and you're like, oh my goodness, this is glorious. You know, I worked at a startup uh right after that that uh they had showers and like full kitchen and all of that. This is pre .dot com uh, bust.
0: Yeah, that's pretty big for, for back then. Oh, pre-bust, okay.
1: Pre-bust, yeah. It was, it was right before the bubble burst. It was, uh, if I remember right, they were the third to last company to go public before the bust. And so <laughs> all those options I had were worth zero, like, like negative. And yeah, and so it's uh, I was just working. I work all the time, you know, would work and just love it. It was fun. But you also, I think this is something that I feel bad for a lot of people coming into the industry today when I started, it was like, Hey, just go fix this. Go punch down that network. Go solve this. Right. Any means necessary. Hey, we're working with these solutions. You had to touch everything. You know, I was a network support technician. Then I was a Windows NT engineer. I mean, that's Windows NT, the last stable version of Windows. Yeah. You know, then I was a, a like a Linux admin. Then I was a CRM admin. I had to build a customer rate relationship management solution for the customer. I mean, this is pre force, right? This is pre-Active Directory. Um, and they're like, hey, well, this is your new project. Make this work. Okay, here's your title. Great. And we put that on my title bingo card. Is it all in the same company? No. So it was over a few companies. But uh, the first company, it was like Network Support, uh, Windows. I think if I was a Windows engineer there or not, or if I, it was when I, I think I moved, and the company I moved to said, all of our people are engineers. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. That's awesome. I love that. I'm I'm barely shaven, but I'm I'm in. We we did that. And then at the CRM, built and running, and they're like, hey, we're going to move to Active Directory. Oh, right. Built that up. I remember doing Microsoft SMS, which was pre-SCCM, having it totally crash hard, having to rebuild it, re- get it working it again. It's interesting. And then the dot-com bubble burst, and that was the network. Admin, a uh, small company, Linux admin, a small company, then uh, again, you have to work. So I went and I was a, a support guy at a telco again. And at that point, I was lucky enough to have a friend who was working at a security company, um, was able to pull me over. I was already passionate about security at that point, but being able to do it professionally was very nice. But I, I think something we all have to understand is you have to, you, you can't just sit there waiting for your dream job to show up, right? You have to be constantly. Mingling, finding other people in the industry, you get your jobs from people you know. If you're trying to break into infosec, go to the meetups. Uh, it's another offsec fail, but I live out in uh, Utah, right? And so I, I've um, we have a great DEFCON group out here, DC801. So I moved out here. I started going to those meetups. Started going to the local conferences, Saint Con, uh, B-Sides, uh, SLC, Hack West. Find the conferences, meet people. It's not always comfortable. Even being a sales engineer, I mean, I, again, I've been doing this for a really long time. When I moved out here, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be super awkward going and meeting, you know, just going to a meetup and being like, hi, my name <laughs> name's Matt. I'm an infosec addict. Yeah. Hi, Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's you do that and all of a sudden people are like, hey, here are the jobs that are available. I mean, I, I already had a job at that point, but it's really cool to see that, right? But that's how you get your jobs. So don't be afraid to go out and mingle. If you don't know it, if you're just getting into the industry, recognize that all of us have our skill gaps. There is no one who knows everything, right? Jump in, start learning. People want to help. I I like to mentor people. Most everyone I've met in the industry likes to mentor and likes to help because there's just not enough people. If we can get somebody into the industry, we're like, oh, let's work off of my back. All right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about, I, I'm hearing over and over again, um, go to conferences, go to meetups, try to find something local. I think just the energy, wouldn't you say, is enough.
1: Right, and that's, that's I think, all anybody cares about is, are, are you passionate? And, and this is not to sound derogatory, but you know, like, <laughs> I, I can teach almost anyone to do this if they care, Right. It's not a hard job. People think that we're wizards. I gave a talk uh, two years ago at a conference um, about changing the mentality of, hey, we're all cyber wizards into, you know, we're just people who are doing a job. There's nothing magical about it. It's actually really easy if, you're, if you've ever done any type of puzzle. It's just figuring out how the pieces fit together. And there are so many resources out there for it. I mean, there are just, an incredible amount of, of free resources for you to learn. You just have to take the time to do it, right? Uh,
0: definitely agreed. And, and, and oftentimes your first job might not be a security job necessarily, right? You might have to transition into security if you're not practicing security day by day or n- and night, right?
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, you, you hit on that well. And I think this is where sometimes people want to put the cart before the horse I think you really do need to work, uh, be a network admin, be it, uh, a system admin, work in a knock. Right? Understand how the system works, so that when you become a security professional, you already know how what the baseline is. You understand how things should look, right? When you open up, get an open source tool like Wireshark, or a, a free tool like Wireshark. I don't know if it's actually open source; I assume it is. But you know, it's a free tool. It's a free tool that you can use, right? Uh, you understand what a network chatter is supposed to look like. So you can understand what you're trying, you know, okay, from a security mindset, this is deviating from that baseline, from that standard. Okay, now I can look at it. I think trying to jump directly in, and some people may be able to do it just, you know, so passionate. And if that's your path, do it. I think it is helpful to have that background though, in kind of general computing basics, you know, your net plus, your A plus, whatever. You don't have to have those, but I'm just, you know, that kind of foundational knowledge and i could just be saying that because that's kind of how, how i came through it but i think having that has definitely helped me in my career because i'm able to see things and go that's weird
0: you know the whole search thing is can, can be controversial sometimes what, what are your thoughts on that
1: my thoughts with certs are do you like to get paid right um, and that may sound a little bit, bit flippant i think a lot of times the people who say oh you don't need those things are people who've already been in the industry for a while they have a name right? So the cert doesn't help them get hired because they already are established. When an HR person is looking at a, you know, two different resumes, if one has, has certifications and the other does not, for the HR perspective, they're going to go with the person who has certifications. You know, maybe not, again, 100% that they're going to do that. But I've seen that's typically the way they go. You want to make a couple extra grand a year, get your CISSP. You want to, you know, be able to touch a a government computer get your sec plus because they still have requirements you have to have that to touch it i I think it it doesn't hurt to get them if you have the capacity i mean if you're if you're going to be spending a crap load of money out of pocket maybe then you can you know wait on it a lot of companies that will say oh you're interested in this you've already studied up on it yeah we'll pay for the test go for it right i don't think they hurt and i think that it's hard for me when i see people saying oh well don't go get these things normally somebody who's been around the industry a long time they don't see the value in it anymore because they've already established themselves but from a straight up payday getting hired if you have the capacity especially if a company's paying for it knock it out of the park
0: yeah oh especially if the company's paying out for it yeah for sure
1: yeah well and just ask one thing i think a lot of people have a hard time with especially engineers is asking right when i was at semantic um i was a sales engineer right and i was like hey I bet I can pass the CEH. Will you pay for the test? But if I, if I pass it, and they're like, go for it. So I went and I passed it, right? And it didn't hurt me, right? It didn't hurt me to ask. It's like, and people have seen the, and some people are like, you know, again, the people who, who, who want to hate on search, like, oh, so, yeah, you know, these search, and I'm like, you know what? When I get hired, when people interview me, it goes towards my base. And, and that's where I think that if you have the ability to get them, get them. Don't think that uh, you're not going to get a job because you have a specific cert. You may not get a job because you don't, though.
0: Well said. Well said. Cool, man. What, what's, uh, what is, what's the first security conference you've ever been to?
1: I think I've been to some um, like local meetups. I don't know if they qualify as conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
0: I guess conference meetup. Like, What was the first meetup that you went to? You know, first security-related anything that you went to?
1: Security meetup that I uh, was working at a company called Still Secure. And... We had just uh, brought someone in to help build our, our community, so we had built a security meetup in Denver. And so, I uh, being the sales engineer, I was you know tasked to go and mingle and drop my credit card, <laughs> go to all that. But uh, the, 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 it was great; loved it. From there, I have eleven years of Black or of DEFCON on my wall now. My wife keeps telling me I need to build a shadow box to display all the badges out there.
0: I think you have a. Uh, an eclectic affinity for badges would you, wouldn't you say
1: oh yeah i love badge life and if you don't know what that is go to twitter and look up hash, hashtag badge life <laughs> you know so it, like my first uh defcon badge i was like oh sweet it's incredible i think it was last year they had all sorts of different badges and i was just like okay now i I love now i think it's partially i think it's my my the artwork that does it for me
0: that's interesting
1: i i love the imagery that we can do and, and some of these are just incredibly creative, right? Um, I loved DEF CON uh was it 21, maybe maybe 19? It was the one where they did the uh it was just the metal circular badge with the eye of raw on it, right?
0: Eye of Ra, yeah. Yeah, eye of
1: mm-hmm. yeah, raw on it, and they said numbers and the crypto challenge with that. Like, oh, that's really, really cool. The crypto badge, the crypto village badge from last year with the uh scarab. And had uh, had a little decoder ring built, in, like uh, with a bunch of other things built into it, it was just incredible looking. St. Con, two years ago, they had a badge you had a bill. You show up and you sit down at a uh, table with your soldering gun and put it together. Um, I was able to take uh, one of my kids with me for that, and they soldered all the pieces on. It's just cool seeing hey how it works, but also the artwork behind it. I love a lot of the imagery we do. Right, Mr. Robot, right a TV show that uh, I love it. Like that's an awesome story. Uh, I appreciate that they try to get things things right. But even then, I mean I remember watching hackers, and maybe that was where things passed, you know, that 97. I was like, oh, I love this. It's so cool, it's so funny, it's so like look at them, the rebels, and but it's awesome, it's iconic, right? I mean, that soundtrack is still incredible. It, it, honestly, I watched uh, <laughs> on my way out to Black Hat this year, I watched Hackers on the airplane and it was freaking me out because I'm like, all of the attacks that they're doing, they're performing, they're talking about are real world attacks that we're dealing with today still denial of service attacks, IoT attacks, right? That's a huge thing right now. The Internet of Things, you know, you hear people joke about it being the Internet of shit, right? I mean, there's just so many bad, bad tools out there. Or I shouldn't say that, insecure tools. But, you know, uh, in that movie, the boats were all automated. They were all internet of things, right? And they're being attacked. There's no manual override anymore. And you look at that with a lot of our infrastructure, right? as we start changing things, they're not securing it, they're just making it more manageable remotely. And sadly, sometimes you'll get uh, adversaries managing it for you. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, there's the goofiness about it. I love their reference to William Gibson. Um, I'm a huge reader and Gibson's one of my favorite authors, Neuromancer, the, the whole sprawl trilogy, you know, Cap Zero, Motley Silver Driver, just, they helped shape my imagination and, and my love for the industry, but it, it's fun, right? And I, I think sometimes people get too serious about things. I think it's usually the same people who get butthurt about um, certifications, but, you know, it's like, you have to be able to have fun with it, right? I mean, one of my, St. Con last year, Grifter, Neil Wiley, he's, uh, works for RSA, he's so really, really, Nice guy, good security head. You know, he had gone out to Derby Con and got a cockroach in his uh, in a shake that he had out there, and he had started. Um, he, you know, they needed Trevor, he started this whole thing. You can still look it up. Hashtag Trevor forget right? And he's talking about this whole story. I think I'm, I'm like, this is great. It doesn't have to necessarily be technical, but look at the industry. Look, look at some hilarious antics that happen. It's fun, right? And I, th- I think we still have to have fun with it. I think the industry is still young enough that we can still enjoy it and just uh, have a good time and not have to take ourselves so seriously
0: yeah i think that's that's pretty well said we need to relax and and be more you know inviting inclusive and just kind of just relax a little bit you got any interesting stories
1: that you can share with the audience uh, yeah so early 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 in my career we had a uh a guy that uh, still this remind like shaped how i, I run commands on the command line he was typing out a command to remove a directory on the linux system and he typed in rm space dash rf space slash space directory no way and uh he wiped out the root directory as it's going down and uh here here in the uh the alias on the email um server as a uh, root loser oh boy it, it, it was great like oh man that Every time I start typing in commands, I'm like, "Okay, well, what is this really going to do?" Right? Did I did I accidentally hit an extra space? Little things that shape your your mind. Back at Semantic, we did a cyber war games internally that was absolutely incredible. And one of the early ones, you had to work your way through a a, a, a nation state's infrastructure, eventually working your way up to working your way into a hospital. And it was really <laughs> kind of dark, but you had to write some malware, a uh, phishing email, get uh, a nurse, was a bot that would click on any link that, in the email, but to click on it to download the malware, and eventually you had to kick somebody off of a heart transplant list, because that was one of the things you were trying to do. But it started off with Facebook. We call it Fit FriendFace because you can't say Facebook, without, yeah, <laughs> it's friend Face. And through social engineering, open source intelligence, we were able to gather their information. They shared a password between that and one of their other systems. Okay, now we're able to. You you start moving your way up, and it really helped with adversarial thinking. It's what do I have out there that somebody else can use against me, right? Against my organization. You know, it it made you really (laughs) want to make sure you're not reusing passwords anywhere for everybody out there. Go get a password manager. There's a lot of them out there. I don't care which one you use. Get a password manager. Different password everywhere auto-generated so you don't even have to it's not there's it not to be something you have to remember just click in and away you go yeah and then i actually uh helped run a, a working this uh a simulation for some federal customers and we had a actual model uh, about the size of a pool table of an oil field with oil uh, oil pumps you know the, the if you've ever been out to the midwest you see the little pumps that look like sickles kind of going up and down oil drums and you were again attacking another nation state's oil infrastructure, and you had to work your way through these different levels. And the final thing you had to do was cause it to, to, to fail. And so, knock, knock, you know, log into their um, ICS system, change it, all of a sudden you see the physical, the kinetic effect, right, of the pump stopping, and then the oil term overflowing. And of course, we use coffee because way easier weighs your cleanup and smells way better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when we, we had executives from their organizations watching as their people were running through the simulation without, I mean, the, it was a contest. We had a number of teams there. And as they're going through it, they're like, wait, that only took them this long to pop, 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 pop. Like, yeah. And these, I mean, there were some serious challenges, but you know, you can get through it. And all of a sudden they hit that target and the executives' eyes open. They're like, oh my goodness, this is real. It's legitimate. And that was a, 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 it was very cool to see that, that transpire, right? Get people to really understand it.
0: Do you ever walk into a a client and find some sort of, you know, like incident, basically run into an incident as you're there? Cause you know, you're oftentimes, <laughs> yeah. What are some funny, do you have any funny stories along that?
1: I was at a customer site and I was doing, um, we were doing network access control and they're like, we wanted to just, uh, listen to what's going on in our environment. So just uh, had the product listing on a, a, a tap, right, to the network traffic and we're just collecting and we're just basically, here's all the devices we're finding as, as they're chattering on your, your network. And they're like, hey, what's what's that domain there? I'm like, oh, it's another Windows domain. Like, but that one does, shouldn't exist. We don't, this is our only domain. I'm like, oh, well, and it was an entire, <laughs> somebody had built an entire other Windows domain in their environment.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, and it was uh, just people trying to do their jobs. I mean, that's, uh, most insider threats aren't malicious. They're just people trying to do their job and oftentimes working around the system to try to be more efficient, which is kind of sad. But.
0: You mean it was a whole shadow IT, like infrastructure built?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah it was entirely, it was almost, it, it was an, one of those uh, dolls, the um, <sighs> um, the Russian nesting dolls, the Russian nesting dolls, <laughs> where it was an you know, infrastructure inside their infrastructure these people had built out to to do their job. It's crazy when you see that. You're like, well, okay. And they're like, okay, well, you need to leave for a bit. Had another um, customer we were at, and this was, we were doing, uh, working with data loss prevention. So we're like, hey, we're just, you know, you want us to proof the concept? We're coming in, it's your data. You've given us access to this SharePoint. Uh, We're going to look at everybody who's who's touching everything, what they're doing. (laughs) Uh Then we had a... uh, I can't remember what the, the, the visualization is called, basically where it groups people by what they're doing, who they are, right? So here are all your network admin, okay? and they all behave kind of like this. And it helps you visualize outliers, right? It helps you look for those outliers. When there was somebody who was kind of way off the chart, like, oh, that's kind of weird. And they looked at the, you know, the customer's like, oh, they started looking, they're like, you, okay, you need to leave now. And the guy got arrested for doing things that was, he should not be doing anywhere. Uh, but it was interesting because we, as we're just doing this proof of concept. hey, look at all this stuff, look at this outlier. And to find out that the guy was doing something highly illegal, it's like, oh, well, the product <laughs> works. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's not abnormal to find that because oftentimes the biggest issue people have is uh, visibility into their own environment. It's something that uh, at Slunk we work really, really hard to help people with is, is giving them that visibility.
0: You don't know what you don't know.
1: Exactly. The unknown unknowns. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really my favorite phrase. It's so true. Oftentimes people are trying to fix something I'm like you can't fix something you don't know exists. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Everybody has their known knowns. Here, here's what we do know. Right. You look at any of the, This is not to bash on anybody. You know, when you're just going into somebody and you're like, well, what does your network look like? And they're like, well, this is all of our employees. You're like, okay, well, now you, have, you need to add at least 20% to that because there's going to be a ton of stuff that you don't know about in your environment. Oh, no, no. I know I know it's in my network, right? And you boot it up and they're like, oh, again, another Windows domain. You got an entire network infrastructure. It's incredible what you can find out there. And so part of my job is, again, to help people give people that visibility into, hey, this is your, your your actual truth, right? Your, the honest truth what's going on in your environment. And sometimes, it, honestly, I think sometimes companies don't want to buy it because they don't want to be, they don't, and not this, but there's, there's certain times they'll see something and go, I don't want to know about that. Because if I know, I have to do something about that. And I don't have the ability or the manpower at this point to do it. So I'm just going to sit here with my head in the sand until the FBI comes knocking on my door saying, hey, you've been breached. I can't, I, I, I don't feel that I can solve it. And so as an industry, even, you know, we were chatting a bit earlier about that, but as an industry, we really do need to become better at recognizing that we're not perfect. There's, we're going to find bad things in our environment and we need to, to, to take it head on, look at it and say, okay, I know that this is out there now. I'm aware of it. Now I can set a risk factor to it. I can say, is this actually an issue and move forward and either mitigate it or at least document it so that I know. What's going on?
0: I'm sure you've been in uh, situations where you have people not willing to work with you or like giving you resistance. Do you have any funny stories along that line?
1: I don't know if any of them are actually funny. I've been in a number of situations where you've gone in and everybody has their kingdom, right? I'm the uh, Windows admin. Everything in Windows is mine. Don't tell me my baby is ugly. Or I'm the network admin. Don't tell me my baby is ugly, Right. And part of your job is helping them see that their baby has a beautiful soul, <laughs> <laughs> but but helping them recognize, Hey, it's okay that there's stuff wrong, right? It's okay. We will help you. you know, and not just us. There are other people in the industry. We can help you solve this and help you get to a, a better level of security, help you get to a better baseline. Yeah. You know, cause, Cause a lot of you'll, you'll go in and be like, Oh, I'm not going to use this. I, I had a, customer who was using a competitor or i was in that uh, they had a competitor's product and they're like this guy this was his product to support and he got paid to support this product so there was nothing that we could tell him because to him we were taking his job
0: yeah he felt threatened
1: exactly Uh, they're taking their jerbs uh (laughs) sorry little south park uh fun story one of my managers actually uh went to college with those guys within their their uh or flat house or whatever he adds uh he had some fun stories but yeah you go in and you have to help them understand i'm going to make your job better i'm going to make your job easier i'm going to help you out i'm not going to just because it's easier doesn't mean that you're not going to still be able to to do your 40 hours right
0: yeah yeah we're all on the same side basically
1: exactly uh and, and as a sales engineer that's a lot of times who you have to connect with you have to find the person who has the most resistance to change and connect with them and help them through that process.
0: Yeah. So what's your uh, earliest hacking memory, if you have one?
1: So earliest memory had uh, a friend who, there were some systems that he needed to access and he couldn't because he didn't know what he was doing. And, and not that he didn't know, he just, he wasn't a computer guy. And uh, he's like, I need to get access to this. And so I, I, I remember working backwards, gathering open source intelligence. Okay, what, how do I get this? How do I get into this system? But what are possible attributes that it, it admittedly was a little bit of uh, brute force, but he was educated brute force. Here's what should work. Okay. And then working your way through that, it, it was, it was incredible. when we actually got that. I was like, Oh my goodness, I did it. I made it. Yeah. You know, and then there's uh, honestly a lot of fun messing with people early on, early on in, in IT, like popping into to other people's systems, having fun with them.
0: Sending pop-ups on desktop. Sending
1: pop-ups. Uh, <laughs> One of my buddies, I, I worked an overnight shift for a while. Again, you are not too good for any job. If you're coming into this, we've all worked crap jobs. I was working an overnight shift. I actually love that shift because I've learned so much. Me and uh, one of my coworkers, who's a, a good friend of mine, because again, you spend a lot of time overnight with people to become friends or mortal enemies, but uh, we, we became friends. He wrote this script, it was hilarious. It had a, a um, timer, but it was uh, kind of randomized. And it would pop out, and this is, again, CD-ROMs, when people still had CD-ROMs in their
0: <laughs> systems. You mean not the cup holder?
1: <laughs> exactly. It's not the <laughs> cup holder. Um, and he would, uh, he would just randomly, throughout the day, open these different people's CD-ROM drives, <laughs> and then close it. And it's like, people would drive people, be like, what is happening? Why does it keep, what is going on? <laughs> and uh, it just made you chuckle. You're like, oh, wait. again, little light pranks don't hurt yeah, it. Yeah, didn't hurt anybody. It wasn't like white people's drives, things like that. Computer lab stories, man. Uh, oh yeah, you just have uh, teaching people that early VoIP wasn't encrypted. It's like, hey, this isn't encrypted. They're like, what do you mean? It's a digital phone call. It should. It's great. Mm-hmm. Like, look, here's a hub. I'm gonna plug the hub into this line. I'm gonna record everything, and I'm gonna play back your conversation. It's not encrypted, and then they'd be like, oh my goodness, we have to encrypt this. <laughs> Yes, of course you do. And don't talk about those things when you're on the phone. That is an in-person conversation in a room <laughs> right? with everything turned off. And so you did all this
0: before you got into information security officially, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this was back, I mean, one of the jobs was, I, was uh, when I was working at the telco as just a, a conference operator. One of the things we did, I had access to hundreds and hundreds and uh, hundreds of phone lines. And so you'd be like, hey, I bet I could last dial this radio station and get i'm going to get colors you know one through 100 so i'm definitely color 10 you know it's uh just scripting that uh, working on old wise turtle i mean it, it, all those things you do and you don't think of it as as hacking but you're solving a problem I mean, that's all, all, all hacking really is right it's solving a problem finding the answer and uh you know i, I think it it, it shapes you. It's, it's having that passion having that desire having <laughs> almost that the glee at the little things, right? The, the fun. When, when Gen 2 Linux came out, this is again pre-2005, I think, maybe 2004, 2005, my overnight buddy was like, hey, we're going to start it at, at layer one, which basically you were designing your Linux kernel, right, for your system. And you're going through and doing that. And you're like, oh man, I didn't even know any of this was here. I didn't know I could do any of this and finding it out. I mean, I, I still remember the, uh, so before it was Cali it was Backtrace or Backtrack. Before before Backtrack, I think it was the um, Auditor's Toolkit. Again, I'm old, and so my memory's not great. I still have a CD that I've kept just because uh, me and my overnight buddy, we got uh, the CD, ripped it, and then we put um, a a CD, just a sticker on top of it, the sweet skull, right? Oh, this is our tough thing. Look look at the tools this has. Look what you can do with this. But it was cool. It was like, oh, I'm going to find out how this works. I want to know how this works.
0: It's about the mindset. It's the mindset.
1: So just to reference um, Hollywood or whatever, Mr. Robot talks about it pretty well. when He says the itch, right? The itch in his brain. You start working on something, you'll just trigger, it, and you're like, "What is that? I need to know how this works." And it's kind of went to the Matrix, right? Follow the white rabbit. You chase, you chase the <laughs> chase the rabbit, and you're like, "What's going on here?" And what started with a simple searcher idea, all of a sudden you're, you know, way off into the boonies, but you've learned a ton. It's fascinating how often those things, those little things you've learned when you weren't intentionally trying to learn them will save your butt someday in the future because you're like, oh, I remember this. I'm going to work on that.
0: That's right. It'll at least give you context into what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I really uh, I really appreciate it. I think this has been a wonderful conversation. Where can people find out more about you, either a blog or Twitter or LinkedIn or anything?
1: So, So LinkedIn, again, Matt Toth, I work at Splunk. It's probably pretty easy to find me there. You know, at Twitter. I'm at Will Hack for Food, all spelled out. No, no fancy numbers or letters. Uh, that or uh, anything else there. My blog, which does not get updated very often, is mostly just a a, <laughs> a writing practice for me to make sure I can still spell words. Is uh, HackThePlanet.org. I've owned that since. I've been shaped by media, and I'm okay with it because there's there's fun things. There's things to learn from it, right? You know, we can all. We can all laugh at, uh, I think it was NCSI or NCSI, where they, you know, two people typing, right? now. that's it not how it works. But, but when you can take little things from it, little ideas, it's, you know, it can't be, it's not all bad.
0: Definitely with you on that one. Definitely with you. Anything else you want to share with the audience?
1: We run a lot of work. Spunk runs a lot of workshops. We do everything from just some 101 for our stuff to all the way to advanced APT threat hunting. We ran that at DEF CON and uh, B-Sides Vegas this year. I'm going to be running a threat hunting 101 course coming up in a few weeks uh, so if you look in your industry you look around your neighborhood uh, we run Splunk live events where we'll be doing some of these contests uh, we do a blue team ctf which is a lot of fun called boss of the sock and we run those again coast to coast so you'll be able to find them contact your local Splunk person or just look online and see wh- where we're going to be you know there's, there's a lot to learn though so go out and uh, happy hacking
0: is there a url that, that they could uh, go to find more information about that
1: yes yeah, splunk.com. Uh, it's, it's I know it sounds simple, but we have, uh, again, our free versions right up there on the top right. Then there's also, we have all of our, our social pieces there. Um, all of the, the events we run are there. You'll find some of our security folks on Twitter, and they've written tons of things, threat hunting basics, all sorts of cool things that you can find on, on that site.
0: Awesome. Well, definitely appreciate your time. This has been great.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Talk to you soon.